0: Hey, it's Jeff. Thanks for downloading this podcast. And do yourself a favor to hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Come on, let's go. Well, here we are. I'm glad you're here, it's Jeff Woods. Now before we dig right in, something an MC named Branco did at a music festival a couple weeks ago that put everyone in the room in the perfect frame of mind to really listen and enjoy. I invite you to join me right now and breathe in the air. We spend so much of the day holding our breath without even realizing it. So three big deep breaths, here we go. One, big breath in. And out. Again. In. And out. And finally, one more big breath. In. And out. Doesn't that feel good? The podcast that goes anywhere and everywhere the imagination dares. It's not for everyone, is it? It's for the open-minded those who want a safe space and connection, community. And here at the Blue Hotel podcast, we have a few goals to entertain, first and foremost, to provoke thought, to encourage pleasure and understanding. It's meant to enlighten and educate and titillate. And the Blue Hotel is inclusive. We're an ally in solidarity with and actively supporting the rights and the safety of members of the 2 LGBTQ plus community, and everyone who identifies within that and outside of that. Everybody's welcome. Just be cool. Of course, decent humans don't judge others based on the color of their skin, and decent humans don't judge others based on their sexual preference or gender identity. Now, I'm going to tell you a bit about how this new podcast came to be and what you can expect in terms of actual content in every episode having interviewed hundreds of musicians and created multiple radio series and hundreds of episodes for that and podcasts, too. I'm still doing all of that, and it's all accessible at jeffwoodsradio.com. But the question I had to confront was, what's next? Out of nowhere, it came. I said it aloud, Blue Hotel. (laughs) And I figured it had no doubt come with a little help from music, as a lot of things do in my life. Two songs in particular. Remember Chris Isaac, Blue Hotel? Blue Hotel. Let no work on my way. The other song was Blue Hotel by Ryan Adams. Wandering like a fool through
1: the hall.
0: I went to the stereo and played each of them over and over just to kind of get into the mindset of this new name. And it was that day that the Blue Hotel podcast was born, in theory anyway. So I spent a bunch of weeks thinking about it, thinking about who I would have on and the themes that we could explore. And so just about every Friday, delving into relationships and sexuality and to give it some focus, we'll make it theme-based. And so the theme this time, I figure, is... Welcome to the Blue Hotel. We're going to get to my first erotic bedtime story, which is how each of these episodes will climax, and I'll tell you right now, they're filthy dirty, in the best possible sense. There's no prudes here. There's only one key rule with sexuality, as far as we're concerned here at the Blue Hotel, that's consent. First, our very first guest. I did it right. an abundance of expertise and understanding and empathy and compassion and ability to both entertain and enlighten. She has confidence and consideration and a great big incomparable smile, which everyone can see at bluehotelpodcast.com. Easy decision for me to feature as my first guest, the lovely Laura Desiree.
1: Thank you. What, a, what an intro. I feel so, so fabulous. Thank you.
0: You know, Laura, I've noted and it bears repeating the great Frank Zappa put it this way. The mind is like a parachute. It best works when it is open. And I know you understand that.
1: Mm-hmm. You have a moment to look at where you're landing and to enjoy the vantage point when the parachute is open. And this is my interpretation of it. When the, when the parachute is open, you slow down in that free fall and you have an opportunity to take in the glory of everything you can see from up there. That's my, that's my take.
0: <laughs> I read the other day, and I can't <laughs> credit this one, but I enjoyed the quickest way to something is slowly. To slow Mm -hmm. things down and and to have Mm -hmm. perspective and and to kind of have a plan or a strategy because gut and instinct are important and intuition but an understanding a deep understanding which is something that i love about you in what you do and all the things that you do is you understand why and you proceed
1: there's a lot of of risk and impulse and chasing impulse. Sometimes it pays off beautifully and you're rewarded for your bravery. And sometimes it it doesn't, fulfill you in any way, it might make things more challenging. So I've been making this practice of trying to slow down, especially when it comes to understanding myself and my interactions with other people, um, relationships, I'm trying to take a little more of that slow down approach, because I have been impulsive and aggressive about love, relationships, ambition my entire life. Uh, So that's that's been a new pace for me.
0: Reminds me of something I wanted to ask you, Laura, because you're someone who at this point in your life really seems to get it. Knowledge of self, therefore knowledge of what to do next. Could you go back and identify like a landmark turning point where you thought, oh, you know, as Oprah would say, one of those oh wow moments that opened you up to a greater understanding of self?
1: Perhaps the first big blast of awakening would have been being 18 years old in New York City i had arrived from toronto i was attending film school and i had no one to report to for the first time in my life no trappings of the family home no expectations of you know the the scholarly institution it was a very freeing time and and a little bit lawless. And I remember exploring myself, especially in intimate arenas, in the act of, say, one night stands, and realizing how fulfilling, exciting, exhilarating, terrifying, just magical it can be to involve yourself with another person in a variety of different ways. I would say that putting the miles on my mattress that I did in those early years in New York City was definitely an aha boom for me. But then throughout my life, you know, I, I started performing burlesque and started doing this art of striptease and had to defend it along the way, especially with family members or friends that were starting to see someone they thought they knew express themselves in this risque and complicated way when really it was me embracing authenticity, saying, I enjoy, I can't get enough of this back and forth, this this participation we have as both audience and as performer. I love arousal. In that method, and it helps me express myself beyond words. So, from burlesque, we then go to reporting the news naked on Naked News. And then I once again am on the front line defending why I'm choosing to do this. It's always been chasing the pleasure of it, it's been about prioritizing pleasure and. The gifts that I have received in knowing myself, in being able to stand naked confidently and being able to express myself through body language, Um, it also granted me a a verbal language because once you permit that confidence to enter, you as an individual who embraces their sensuality and their sexuality, you get this incredible vocabulary that just it, it comes to you you you're forced to express yourself more to talk about it because people have questions why do you do this why is this something that's comfortable for you so you you begin looking for those words and they come to you there've been so many booms i've you know jeff i've literally taken you on a tour and i should have found one specific moment in my life and said that was it but there's been so many
0: and you split time in a number of places, but uh, mm-hmm. home was uh, oftentimes and currently is New York, Toronto yes. being the other one. Tell me this. It's curious to me that fairly young in your life, fairly early in your life, you attained this, what seems to be an age, but there's always lessons, this, this, this wisdom, this focus, this self-love, this confidence, devoid of shame and devoid of a whole lot of caring about everyone else's view of what you think and do. I love that because it's not something everyone can do. Is shed the trappings of shame and embarrassment about Mm -hmm. just being yourself.
1: You know what? A a lot of it really is, it stems from rebellion. Here's the Sort of the backstory. Uh, I grew up dealing with the loss of my mother when I was 10. So it's my father, my sister and me. And during that incredibly intense and traumatic experience, we as a family unit silently agreed to just keep the peace. And it was beautiful. We kept the peace by watching movies every night and listening to music every night. And that was how we experienced emotion, was critiquing and talking about the media we were consuming. But there wasn't a physically actual uh, experience that we were willing to share with each other as a family when it came to emotions and you know, what desires we maybe were starting to feel. And I was a young person. You know, I was I I still am. But those years of, you know, formative 13, 14, 15, 16, you start to have these desires. But I was also so dedicated to keeping the peace and making family number one that I quite literally had to escape to New York City. And the second that I got there, there was this great impulse of let's just do it this is the time you don't need to worry about, uh, reporting back and and meeting for family dinner. And all of those things are so beautiful and, and those traditions are fabulous. But I was at the most desperate point of wanting to seize the opportunities to experience myself and other people in those intimate arenas. And there was suddenly this, this grand, you know, opportunity to do so. And, um, it, it was intoxicating. It was invigorating. And I could not stop myself from just diving in. So when I entered New York City, I remember walking through Central Park and I had an iPod. And I remember listening to, to Dylan uh, and, and thinking, how does it feel to have No Direction Home? And it was very powerful. I said, you're here. You got no one to report to. You got nobody that you need to call to tell them when you'll be home. Like, go get it. And I did. And, and I did. And I wasn't rejected for it, Jeff. That's the other thing. I don't know if that's because New York is that kind of city that's conducive to people expressing themselves in all kinds of ways. But I wasn't rejected in that era of my life. And that was crucial for me because I was taking a chance on myself. And in that moment, uh, as I was diving in fearlessly, offering myself fearlessly, I was not met with rejection. And that shocked me. And I was blown away.
0: We can hear in the way you talk the excitement. We can see your smile through your voice. And it's pretty wonderful. That to me speaks about authenticity Mm. and continued genuine enthusiasm in what you do. And to me, that's, that's really key. It's not working if you love it. I mean, sure, Mm -hmm. the time and the effort, sure, it's work, but it's good work.
1: Well, here's, here's, here's the other thing is that all of my factory settings in life were informed by the movies that we'd watch. So the education I had on sexuality and and intimate interaction was all given to me by way of great Hollywood scenes, whether it was, you know, Gloria Swanson descending a staircase in this, you know, trance of ego masturbatory glory, or whether it was Sharon Stone crossing and uncrossing her legs, I learned the rules of the world in how humans both performatively and somewhat sincerely experience each other in that way. So I was very excited to try some of these things out. The minute that I was like, I've got center stage, I thought, We have so much of this wealth of knowledge of depictions of sensuality, sexuality, and yes, authenticity. I want to take this shit for a test drive.
0: (laughs) You make a great point. Your understanding and your affinity for movies and for music certainly Mm. informs both you and and myself. You mentioned Mm. masturbation, which got me thinking about my little list. Let me go down. Imagine, Laura, a, a spinning wheel like on the game shows reaches up and pulls down the wheel, spins and spins until it reveals, in this case, topics that we'll end up exploring at the Blue Hotel podcast. Uh, I'll go through the fairly quick list and see what pops for you that we can maybe touch on a bit. Things like dating, monogamy, polyamory, fantasy, mutual masturbation, soul masturbation, role playing, public nudity, pornography, sex clubs, domination, submission, squirting, birth control, coming out, communication. There's a few more. Loyalty, respect, marriage, life partners, sex after kids, cheating, divorce, therapy, transitioning, censorship, sex work, love, lust, erotica, jealousy, security, confidence, sex education, which is actually the theme of episode number two, but it's, it's going to be a theme every time, really, because the more we know, the more we... And navigate our lives more cleverly um where do you want to take us laura what do you what, what's on your mind what did you oh wake up gosh. thinking about today right
1: masturbating masturbating <laughs> i woke up and that was that was that was part of the start of my day as it is uh most days i really cannot i i, I almost can't put words to the power of exploring yourself in that way and how much it has made me the person i am when I know what I want, when I ask for what I want, when I begin to chase what I want, it enriches your life in such beautiful ways. Before we get into that, uh, I'm very excited by one of the first topics you talked about there, which was the monogamy, polyamory. That in itself is the sexual revolution we're in right now, by the way. So put a pin in that and definitely touch that because, people are asking me all the time, what's this sexual revolution we're in the middle of? It's about questioning whether monogamy is um, good for us and destined for all of us. So I I love that as a topic. But in that whole list, most recently experienced by me would be masturbation. And (laughs) I have a grand love of it.
0: Yes, I uh, I do share that with you, and I, I mm-hmm. noted that you um, you talked about waking up to that. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm really in a state of high libido when I finish the day with it, which is mm-hmm. most days, and then wake up and it's the first thing I think of, and I do it again. You, you you know, life's good. I find when you're in that state, when you're not ignoring it or it's not ignoring you.
1: Well, that's just it. It's step number one in uh, permitting yourself a more sexually liberated life. You have to isolate and honor that masturbation is something that is healthy, something that offers us this perspective deep into our core, deep into the most authentic vulnerable place we cage in our body. You know, I hear all the time from people that I I don't know how to meditate. I hear about the benefits of meditation. I hear about how amazing people's lives and stress levels are because meditation is a part of their world and I just can't do it. Here's a reality check. When you masturbate, you are meditating. It's a meditation. The pursuit of that climax, you are so present in that moment. You're not thinking about anything else but that desire that you are chasing right to the cliff, right before you leap off of it and welcome that waterfall, that tsunami, whatever it is, that is meditation. You have to be present in order to reach that level of bliss,
0: Let's dig deeper because I gave this mm-hmm. a lot of thought in the last two days uh, and, and unbeknownst to you. Well, I did and unbeknownst to me, you'd go there. So here we are. Everything happens when it should. There's a thing that I do when I'm having sort of an adversarial relationship or the decline of a relationship or a great stress in a relationship where it's not going well, where I, I, I stop thinking about sex, desiring sex and 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 stop by virtue of that masturbating and and I remember a partner who, no matter how bad things were going in the relationship, she could always wake up and, and masturbate and she could always masturbate in the middle of the day and later in the day. and I was jealous mm. <laughs> and I just I just finally figured out that take care of yourself, be okay in your space with yourself, regardless of the relationships you have outside of that, and have a healthy connection to it and shed that, whatever that was that I was doing.
1: There's sometimes subconscious guilt that we feel when we're partnered participating in a relationship, there's a guilt and a, a very real conditioning that society and our own communities have put upon us to feel that solo masturbation when you're in a relationship is selfish and that's bad. And it can really interfere with pursuing pleasure as an individual. And to that, I say, well, Of course, it's there's an element of of selfishness in it, but it's not the bad kind. It's the kind that reaffirms that you are uh, someone who can achieve this on your own, that you are someone who has checked in with your desires, has not been uh, perhaps suffocating them or, 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 you know, pacifying that part of yourself. That is instinctual and if you try and snuff out that instinctual desire to go there as an individual in that safe place where you can you can fantasize about anything you want if you begin to snuff that out your quality of life is going down that's all i can say because you will censor yourself and limit yourself in other arenas including just being real with yourself getting what you want in life it's an incredibly confidence building act to seek out that orgasm and to do it for yourself, which ultimately will make you better for your partner because you're not putting the expectation on them to reaffirm that in you. That only sex that you two or orgasm that you two make for each other and together, that's putting so much pressure on the two of you. And it's incredibly unfair. It's essential to check in and make sure that you can still get yourself there. And you might not be at a place where you're ready to share what your desires look like. Maybe you're still figuring it out. Maybe it's some brand new thing that you hadn't considered before. Like, I wonder what it feels like to put my dick in that milking machine that they put on a cow's (laughs) udder. And you're not ready to talk about it yet, but you have to explore it. It's a real desire. If it triggers arousal, don't you wanna think about why? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, my stubbornness, my limitation on myself was completely attached to this this old way of finding comfort in darkness and being stubborn yeah. about it and 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 then to your point, uh, manifesting positive thoughts and going to a good place and allowing yourself that pleasure is far more productive, not only for yourself, but potentially for that relationship, potentially. I like the way you think. Monogamy, is it right mm-hmm. for you? Maybe ask your therapist. This is sort of a public service announcement there, but uh, more and more, why do you think more and more people are questioning? Because of the divorce rate being 50 plus percent and people are finally listening to that fact and thinking, Certainly. Hmm, is there a Certainly. different way to do this?
1: A-, a thousand percent were starting to actually, you know, absorb the information that statistics have brought us that wow, over fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. Well, what's that about? We're also at this point in the culture where uh, it's been permitted to explore a little bit more of, of both gender identity and um sexual desires. We're talking more about different kinds of sex. And therefore there is a small movement. I'm calling it small because I'm waiting for it to get bigger and bigger and it will. Um, But here in New York City, there's, you know, a couple of great communities that are of great belief that, you know, you should explore this for yourself. Listen, if you read uh, Sex at Dawn, which is just such a incredible incredible body of work that really it goes into this conversation specifically monogamy is this idea that we have put upon ourselves and i believe it goes against nature personally i do i think it's completely natural for our desires to evolve and to lead us to different experiences different partners different uh, different kinds of interactions that we want and monogamy says nope You can't have any of that with anyone else except the person that you're with. And I don't believe that to be natural.
0: That leads me to two things. One, the top of my to-do list today after this uh, uh, conversation with you, Laura, is to find in my bookcase, Sex at Dawn, which was a gift from someone, and I was reminded to, and there you are reminding me yet again, uh, something someone said to me, which I found to be one of the greatest pieces of wisdom ever as it relates to you talking about monogamy and polyamory and so on. And that was, love is unconditional, relationships are not. Which leads me to think about the word cheating, to which I say, Cheating is doing something you said you wouldn't do. Cheating is not stepping out. If you negotiate the way in which you will step out of this, what was considered to be the only way, monogamy, it's a negotiation between people. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do it? And then check in. How are we doing? It's not cheating unless you're doing something you said you wouldn't do.
1: The mental warfare that we experience as individuals and that we conduct between ourself and our partner, its all of this can be avoided. It really can. All of this can be avoided. We're starting to have conversations more. And I know it sounds so expected to say communication is key, but how on earth, how on earth do you expect somebody to read your mind? I mean, there has to be, The conversation, there has to be communication between you and a partner, whether it's at the very start of the relationship, but especially throughout the relationship, as you're evolving, you have to ask that other person and let them know where your yearnings are, because if you start to restrict yourself based solely on the fear of how that other person will respond again, you're doing yourself a crime, you really are. I believe it's the source of the greatest diseases our body can you know, endure. It's these unexperienced desires, undiscussed longings. I believe they form knots in our body and that's what eventually becomes the tumor that becomes the cancer. So why not avoid that by starting having these conversations? If you start them, They don't need to be the big ultimatum, but start having them where you say, you know, what are your thoughts on something like polyamory? What are your thoughts on something like monogamy? Um, Do you have fantasies or desires that go outside of just our partnership? Because the reality is, yes, everyone does. Everyone does. I mean, maybe not everyone. There might be a few wonderfully blissful people out there that only fantasize about their partner, and they're completely contained and happy in that partnership. I do want to shout you people out as well, because my goodness, I applaud you. Um, But it's not for everyone.
0: There's intimacy within sex, if you're doing it right. But intimacy is not sex. Intimacy, more so to what you've been talking about, is communication around everything, but as it relates to this podcast, around sexuality, around desire. Honesty and openness is the path to maintaining a healthy self and a healthy relationship if you choose to be in one. And we're all in a number of relationships of different kinds.
1: Intimacy trying to put words to even a definition of it is, I feel impossible at times. I mean, it's not something that you can um, write for someone else. It also transforms over time as we realize our needs have changed, as we realize we have changed as people. Intimacy is ever evolving. And you should expect that. That's why you need to ask yourself what intimacy means to you over and over and over again, to make sure that you are getting it and you are giving it.
0: This is something I want to touch on with you because I like, I like how you are able to easily and thoughtfully tell us super thoughtful feeling around just about every subject as it relates to sexuality. Not many people seem to be able to do that with the finesse you have. So let me touch on this. Masturbation and pornography. A lot of conversation going on, particularly about a newer generation that has got a phone in their hand, and, and I'm not different no matter my age, but a lot of us have a phone in our hand, and as it relates to pleasing one's self, pornography is often a component of that. And the fear is, and the reality is for a lot of people, even with a partner, they can't get off unless they have porn playing or or fantasy in their head or both. <laughs> I did a little exercise just yesterday and the day before that and the day before that to try to not have my phone anywhere near myself and let the creative imagination work its wonder like we did before there was something called a cell phone before there was easily to access porn on the internet we used to just have thoughts and that was good enough it's changed hasn't it what are are your thoughts laura
1: pornography is entertainment and was was always intended to be just that it's entertainment um, does it atrophy our ability to uh, perhaps provide that kind of stimulation for ourself I do fear that I certainly do fear that I think it's important to look at other sources that may trigger arousal and to definitely challenge yourself whether it's erotic literature whether it's um, you know a, a, a mental guided experience whether it's you know taking that pair of stockings that you have in, in your wife's underwear drawer and running them along your inner thigh. I'd, I'd, whatever it is, I truly believe that you should be seeking out other forms of stimulation. Although I'm not against people watching porn. It's amazing. And there is such an incredible variety of depictions that are now available within the business of porn. And I encourage people, if you are a porn watcher, start to go deeper. First of all, you should pay for it. I would love if you paid for your porn. I would love if you found that one performer that you're really into, and you reached out to them on their fan platform, and you went ahead and subscribed to it. That, to me, you get the biggest applause um, because you can also custom order videos and get even further of what you want even closer to what you truly dream of but going back to the varieties in porn today so many people are making it themselves there are so many different modes of distribution you're seeing not just big production companies you're seeing individuals publish themselves on these tube sites and platforms i I think that you need to go exploring it if you are going to use porn as your source of stimulation for for masturbation, please explore more of it and don't just stay in the one genre or the one kind of scene that you enjoy. I really encourage you to try something different and see how it makes you feel. Does it make for a bigger bang? Does it leave you with a bit of a confused feeling? You need to do this investigative work for yourself. It will enrich your sexual side. It truly will.
0: Agreed. I am already your number one student in (laughs) investigating other categories. It's important. I'm with you there. I just the reliance on anything to achieve anything else is where i fear so time and place but my challenge to everyone listening if you can only get off with porn try your imagination do a seven day challenge and use porn i'm not saying stop porn for seven days use it other times as as you put it laura it's great entertainment it's good clean fun
1: I have a, a, a really great um, way to relieve the withdrawal if you're out there trying to separate your, your you know, get off the dependency of porn play it, but close your eyes, Uh, you know, have, have the audio of it there, but start to separate from needing that visual in your face. Just start to see if you can still achieve everything that you sought out to get. If you just maybe take away the visual, just close your eyes, see what it feels like to hear it. These are ways to trigger new connections to that big boom, that big orgasm. So why not?
0: You make such a good point, since this is an audio podcast. And I love the world of audio. Old radio plays, songs through the radio, albums on the turntable, podcasts through your headphones. Audio is everything to me. We have our visuals and porn, but we have audio. Sometimes my biggest want out of porn producers, directors, actors, is not only should we hear from the woman in the porn, sometimes the guys, and maybe you can enlighten me because I haven't shot a lot of porn, sometimes the guys are silent. Are they asked to be silent or are guys just less vocal?
1: That is so, I love that you brought this up. Dick on a stick is what I hear A lot from men who perform in porn oh you know i'm just a dick on a stick i've heard that before that their participation their them being made known is kind of silenced that's that's a lot in say hetero porn heterosexual pornography and i find myself constantly going to homosexual gay porn I go to gay porn to hear that because I love that as well. I love that. And I think a lot of people would be a little apprehensive to see that logo of, say, Pornhub switch to Pornhub Gay when they realize they're, they're getting off to it. I know that can be a scary moment, but I do believe that there is a silencing of the male voice and the male experience in heterosexual porn. I 1000% agree with that. You know, you look at the way that these shots are framed. You look at who is making the most noise. um, And there certainly is a focal point. It's the woman.
0: It is one of the things I've heard from women who are hetero (laughs) that they do go to gay porn, male gay porn, so they can get that experience of hearing men verbalize and vocalize their pleasure. They're tired of hearing silent boys, (laughs) men.
1: A thousand percent.
0: From my experience, or from one of my erotic bedtime stories, the character, she says to him, you're so vocal. I love it. And so just it's, it's. Maybe it's repressed emotion. Maybe it's the guy thinking like the dick on a stick in porn that he shouldn't express himself. I, I was wanting to know, here it is. You can give me one, I'll give you mine. I was in a hotel room. It was an afternoon nap. My partner and I were awoken to pretty incredible moaning. We could detect that it was a female through the wall. And after about 15 minutes, she either got off or claimed to get off through her verbalization. We never heard a peep from him. Fast forward 30 minutes, we're on a ski hill with this couple. And I just, I had a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Paramount of which was this guy has no voice (laughs) in that relationship. Where were you? Well, of course, we didn't say anything.
1: (laughs) It breaks my heart. You know, it... it it breaks my heart. Uh, I, I want to experience someone releasing in that way. I want to know that there's those peaks and valleys and swells that sound that way. Um, and I can only tell you that it feels even better when you let it out. You know, that's, that's a real part of sex, is the sounds that we make and dropping that composure, dropping the suit of armor that you're wearing and allowing your face to contort, allowing your, your, the, the audible that we know from you, the voice that we know from you, if it changes a few octaves, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And it is sexy to hear the roar yeah. from somebody else. Laura, life is about
0: balance. Everyone's is a bit different. Could you tell us a bit about the way you balance your life that takes you from city to city life, that takes you from hosting to performing life, that takes you into your own personal relationships life, that takes you to the love of petting dogs. You tell us a bit about the balance of your life, Laura.
1: I love. I love that that is a known fact, but I have a grand love of petting dogs. I do. My sister has a a gorgeous golden retriever here in in Queens and I come and visit and hang out with him a lot. The balance. It is a tough thing to figure out. I'm still trying to master it. I'll burn myself out from time to time. I'm just coming out of a burnout. Um, I love to work because my work is my passion, which is discussing and experiencing sensuality and enlivening others to see the benefit in it in themselves. I mean, it's, it's, it's passion and that's also my job. So it's a challenging thing to balance when I have off time, when I'm in a committed relationship, it is something that is private for me. I do like to keep that private and take from it learnings that I can share into my work of passion. And it's, it's an interesting thing to try and balance because My work is the ickiest parts, you know, it's the vulnerability and, that balance i get so excited about sharing it that i will be on a sugar high of sorts and i'll work for a month straight whether i'm on cam and talking with people around the world and getting them excited and seducing them or you know whether i'm standing on the green screen at the naked news studios and i'm talking about the latest trending sex positions um it's, it's a challenging thing to balance because it's it's my passion. Jeff, I'm figuring that one out still. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> We've just sort of seen the tip of the iceberg in this first episode with you, Laura, as my first guest. I would love to have you become a recurring guest because you bring so much To the topics that we'll explore here i want to thank you for being here i will come see you when you perform in toronto i saw that you were at the bovine again recently tell us about your schedule as it were uh, for the fall of 2022 since that's where we're approaching
1: fall of 2022 let's look at october my goodness i am in los angeles twice once for um, uh, as a keynote speaker for a big summit called Why Not, which is a camming summit and all things uh, cyber sex. So I've got that uh, October 8th to 13th. And then I head to Detroit, where I am going to be the head madam for a Halloween party that is iconic and happens every single year called Theater Bazaar. I will be the head madam of the Fistatorium, which is their kink, ambient, and interactive play space. So that's going to be two weekends in Detroit, the second and third weekends in October. And then Halloween comes around. And my goodness, if there was ever something I look forward to, it's Halloween in New York City. So I'm going to be finding a party to attend. And throughout those busy work weeks, I'm always online. I cam twice a week on a platform called cam Four. you can find uh my monday and thursday schedules and join me for some live shows i also uh host my own podcast called licked and loaded you can find it wherever you get your podcasts and that is a weekly series that basically has conversations with people prioritizing their pleasure and asking them hey how has that changed your life and how the fuck did you do it (laughs) so please come find me
0: (laughs) you're the best laura desiree thank you
1: thank you so much jeff i love this show i'm so excited for you
0: Now, to close episode one, we will climax with an adult, erotic bedtime story. Fiction, written and narrated by yours truly. Just last night, Carla was awoken for the fifth time in as many days by her dreams. She lay still of body but busy of mind, immersed in thoughts of when and where and what and with whom. The longer she spent without, the darker her thoughts had become. It felt like an eternity and not by choice either. The world had changed, and she was certain that the only thing worse than being single during a pandemic might have been being partnered with somebody who was driving you crazy, and not in a good way. Carly was thankful that wasn't her. She'd parted ways with her on-again, off-again boyfriend before anyone had any idea the world was about to change in a way, the likes of which hadn't been experienced in a hundred years. Quite literally, when within the two years ending spring 1920... Five hundred million people, about a third of the world's population back then, had been infected in four successive waves, causing a death toll of, get this, somewhere between 20 and 50 million, making it one of the deadliest pandemics in history. For anyone who needed some perspective, that should do it. It certainly worked for Kyla. She longed for nights that made the sheets soaking wet from the summer sweat that could only come from the fire and the feeling of bodies bare. It was as captivating as it was cruel, the images that appeared in those recurring dreams, because when they ended, which was usually just as things were getting heated, her eyes opened to the reality that the bed was empty but for her. What Carla wanted was to be rattled and raged upon. Glimpses of some of the more insane moments of her own life permeated her daydreams, too. And these were the stories that crept into Carla's dreams. On these nights of nothingness that had turned into Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. But now the need was back with a vengeance because lockdown was done. She'd had her second jab. She was ready to put herself out there again. She laughed at a caption she'd read on Dan Savage's column about how, post pandemic, the whoring 20s had arrived. Bring it on, she decided. Now, where was that porn star on his back with his hands tied above his head and lightning rod cock ready to be mounted? Tinder? Plenty of fish? No thanks, she thought. She wished more men showed up at yoga. Then Carla stumbled upon a piece on Bustle that stated what might seem like the obvious. Location is everything. The top ten places to find a hookup. Given the luck she'd had at the Rage show, Carly was surprised only 2% of respondents reported getting lucky with someone they met at a concert. About 3% said they met their match for one night at a store, 4% through a neighbor, 5% at a gym or a museum, 7% on public transportation, 8% at a wedding, 9% at a nightclub, 11% at a hotel, in the bar presumably. 14% 14% at a non-hotel bar or party. And the number one place among the 10,000 people in the survey found someone to fuck for the first time on the street. Just walking along and what do you know, a stranger, or perhaps someone with whom you're acquainted, or maybe a friend you hadn't fucked yet. Carla found herself doing a mental inventory of her experiences. Concert check, store check, through a neighbor for sure. At the gym, no. At a museum, She gave head once there. Public transportation, no way. At a wedding, when she was 19. Nightclub, hotel, bar, at a party. These were all kind of like shooting fish in a barrel, she figured. The one thing that had changed was no more boozy sex for her. The best sex was done when you're sober. But never mind that. It's Friday. And finally, a long-awaited appointment with Maria, Carla's hairdresser. And Maria did more than just cut hair. She had a side hustle with her partner, Chloe. The pair would book high-end Airbnbs and by invitation only through word of mouth, through parties where anything could and did go down. A throwback to Roman orgies, sex parties, swing town as it were. Carla had heard the stories from Maria and decided maybe it was time to try it out this Saturday. Picture the space, a penthouse suite, a well-appointed terrace with heaters and loungers and a hot tub, and a massive great room with what can only be called the world's biggest sex bed. Two black leather symmetrical U-shaped sectionals, like two giant U-shaped magnets, tips touching, making for a 12 by 12 foot square, in the middle of which is a king-sized bed. One big leather playground, it's 144 square feet of leather, on and against which anything could happen, explained Maria. Carla had a couple of questions, like, who's coming? Everyone's coming, said Maria slyly, adding lots of couples for whom vanilla sex was never going to be enough, and some single women and single men, and you and me and Chloe and a DJ and a bartender, all in maybe 28, 30 people. Carla couldn't remember whether Maria took part Yeah, Chloe and I do together, she said. We sort of set the tone and get things started. We get all dolled up and put ourselves in the middle of the big bed and play. And everyone that's on the list has to arrive between ten and eleven, and some people actually come just to watch and have a couple of drinks, and the rest of us are as wild as we want to be. Carla couldn't remember this either, so she asked, Did you ever like cock? Maria laughed and said, It's not like I never liked it. I just like pussy more, and I wouldn't want to live with a man, but I love to live with Chloe. It just works better day to day. Carla herself was confirmed bi. She couldn't imagine a sex life without men and women in it. Her appetite ebbed and flowed for both sexes. She identified as fluid. She figured it had more to do with the energy of the person, and she'd gotten as wet for women as she had for men. Her body's reaction as much as her brain informed much of her decision-making around relationships and sex. In a perfect world, her mouth would get the taste of pussy and her cunt would get filled with cock. So this party seemed right up her alley. What she got off on most was the sounds she could coax out of her lovers when they came. Speaking of sounds, Carla asked Maria, what about the music? It's totally on fire, assured Maria. DJ Waves is totally lit with jams from all the eras. You'll love her. When Saturday arrived, that morning Carla slipped on shorts and flip-flops and a skimpy T-shirt, pushed her hair up on top of her head, and rode her bike, locking it up in front of Jet Fuel, where she ordered a mocha and parked her butt on a stool at the front, with its open windows and morning risers passing by on Parliament Street. Sufficiently caffeinated, she rode herself east along Carlton towards Church Street and north, dismounting and locking up again at the rack by Cruz and Tango, The bars in the building where karaoke nights had just started up again and the drag shows were back in all their glory. But mornings on church were a much quieter affair as slowly people came back to life with their coffee and conversation about the night before and the plans for the next. Just as she secured her bike in place again, she heard a voice familiar and deep, Carla. Turning around, it was Cassius, her ex, the on-again, off-again love of her life, They'd crossed the country together, abandoning their lives out west, where they'd first met three years earlier, landing in Toronto, diving into one another's hearts and souls and bodies with an intense passion. They were all fire together. They burned hot, too hot. He was expressive to a fault and full of unresolved feelings about his past. She was open and trusting of his intentions, but emotionally closed off to the point that instead of talking about things that needed to be talked about, she turned and ran and then came back. But in the end, it was he who actually bailed in another of his recurring midlife crises. And now two years had passed since they'd laid eyes upon each other, two-thirds of which was pandemic. And now here they were, just three feet apart on Church Street. Carla laughed, which is what she did every time she saw Cassius. It was a combination of nervous excitement and resignation. When they were in the same room or even close proximity like this, they tingled just by each other's presence. "'How are you?' she asked. "'Better now,' said Cassius. And it was the truth. Carla's presence was electric. She was the girl with the fireworks coming out of her head. Her green eyes were like that of an exotic cat. It was not uncommon for people to call Carla the most interesting face in the room. And it melted him like butter, and she knew it. And what Carla loved most about him? His hands.' and the way they made her feel when he touched her. She'd always say, I need your man hands on me. And while things had ended pretty badly, on this morning, all these months later, the past didn't seem to matter. They were both just happy to be unmasked and free to be on the street together. Carla said, what's going on? Cassie has pointed up to the second story window. Underwear. I need to get some. Maybe a swimsuit. "'You know this place is my weakness.' "'They'd come to browse and shop together here before. "'He'd try on clothes, and she'd help by retrieving different sizes, "'and they'd get themselves all worked up in the process. "'You want to come help?' he asked. "'Carla and Cassius proceeded up the six stairs to the doorway, "'then up a flight of stairs to the men's room. "'The name of the shop, the only shop in the entire city "'that had the kind of clothes Cassius would wear. "'They had the coolest underwear and bathing suits.' Trying on clothes had long made him unbelievably horny. He'd come to realize it had a lot to do with the reality that the only thing separating his bare ass from the rest of the world were the paper-thin walls of the change rooms, and you could hear voices and see people's legs passing by, and the cute salesgirls and women would bring different sizes to you. He used to go with his high school girlfriend to help her find clothes, too, and they would end up in the stall together and these experiences extended to all of his serious relationships with women, including Carla. They entered the shop together, and she said, I'll come help you when you find a few things to try on. Then she headed to peruse the sex toys part of the store. Cassius had probably bought a dozen bathing suits from these racks. He'd gone back to wearing the ones he first wore at 13 and 14 years old, when Speedo was about the only brand anyone talked about. He'd shown up on the surfing beaches of Southern California, where every guy wore board shorts, And people said what are you on the canadian swim team and he would give in to the peer pressure and ended up wearing the long shorts until one day he said fuck it not only did he want to get a tan on the upper part of his legs he just wanted to wear what men on european beaches wore and when people questioned or laughed at his bathing suit choices all he had to say was would james bond wear board shorts cassius found three pairs to try on and went into the stall which didn't have a door, but rather a curtain that never quite closed all the way. And that kind of turned him on, too. He got naked and slipped into the first pair. Just as he was pulling them up, Carla's voice, How you make it out in there? He pulled back the curtain and said, What do you think of these? His balls were hidden, but his cock not so much, at least not all of it. Carla laughed and said, I like those. She reached out and squeezed the exposed tip between her fingers, and then withdrew her hand and said, I probably should have asked you whether you're seeing anyone or not. Cassius said, Carla, I know us better than to have brought you up here Were i seeing someone right now. I've been on a pandemic solo mission. Me too, she replied, returning her hand to his cock and saying, Is that a rocket in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? The men's room staff weren't oblivious so much as they were indifferent to what patrons got up to, within reason. Cassius took off the first suit and tried on the second. All right, how about this one? You know that trying on suits with me will never work. I don't think I've seen you without a hard-on since I met you. I don't know if we could even go to a beach together without causing a scene. They'd only ever been to Hanlon's Point Beach together, where clothing was optional, which they loved. They'd walk up and down the beach holding hands while getting an all-over tan. His cock just didn't go down when he was around Carla. He tried on the third suit with the same results. And snatched the three pairs up and found a pack of his favorite underwear and he took everything to the counter and paid down the stairs together they went stopping at her bicycle carla said you remember maria the hairstylist asked cassius you remember she used to put on those learn to love better classes cassius recalled the blowjob classes well that too said carla not that you needed lessons said cassius Speaking of which, she shot back. Tonight she's throwing one of her famous parties at a penthouse. I'm going to go give it a shot. You should come. Cassia said, you think? They'd broken up before they'd managed to get to one of Maria's sex parties, although they had played together with men and women and once a couple, which was Carla's idea, but when it got heated and they'd swap partners, she couldn't bear to watch him without getting emotional. The whole thing backfired. The fantasy of it all often fueled their fire, but maybe the fantasy was best left at that. Cassius thought and said, We haven't been together in forever. you sure it's a good idea? Carla said, Well, I know you don't mind me with the women. Of course not, he said. How could I get jealous of that? Carla continued, And I don't mind seeing women suck your cock, or for that matter, men. It turned around a lot to watch Cassius getting blown. It was the fucking that she still wasn't sure she could handle, even though they were no longer a couple. She thought about it for a second and said, I think that our both being by was one of the best things we had going for us. Cassius couldn't argue. Carla added, I've come to terms with you being with other women. But as long as I know it's a one-off, or at least it's in my presence and you're going home with me, I think I'm okay with it. No matter what happens with whom, we go home together. Cassius looked Carla in the eye and said, My God, it's good to see you. I'll pick you up tonight. Just name the time. They hugged and kissed and went their separate ways for the moment. Getting ready, Carla showered but didn't wash her hair. She loved how it looked on the second or third day. That rock star just got fucked look. She decided not to wear anything, but simply slipped a trench coat over her naked body and then decided it a good idea to pull some underwear on because she was mid-psycho, which meant perpetually drenched between her legs. Even when she wasn't aroused... She pulled some strappy shoes onto her bare feet and headed down the hall to the elevator and down to the street to meet Cassius, who was waiting at the front door. They got into his car and drove off. She said, you'll recognize the building. Turns out it was his former address, a seven-story condo building on the east side between King and Queen Streets, where he'd first lived with her when they moved back to the city from out west. He'd been on the roof of the building. In fact, they both had having fucked against the glass railing in the heat of the afternoon. And on hot summer nights, both of them craving to be seen by residents of the neighboring buildings, just for a laugh. She loved getting on her knees and bringing him to climax in her mouth and wondered if anybody had witnessed it through their telescope or maybe captured it on their iPhones. But tonight it was the penthouse, with its private terrace and the massive 144-square-foot leather sectional. Maria had hired a door person, a young cute guy, built and dressed in black pants and a bow tie, no shirt, like a Chippendales dancer. He greeted Carla and Cassius, checked their names off the list, and now they stood witnessing the scene that was slowly unfolding before them. Maria and Chloe were holding court in the middle of the living room, dressed like you might expect the co of a sex party to be dressed. Stunning bordell lingerie with its requisite access points. Chloe was leaning against the black leather back of the sectional knees up just a wee bit, legs spread. Maria was next to her, playful fingers between Chloe's legs. She plunged one in and pulled it out and fed it to Chloe's mouth. Carla and Cassius' eyes met Maria and Chloe's and exchanged smiles. Then they headed out to the terrace to get a proper view of the summer evening. They faced west to take in the lit-up city night. A few people were cocktailing outside, breaking the ice with new faces and chatting with familiar ones, too. Through the window they watched as Chloe returned the favor, fingering Maria and feeding her mouth with her fingers, equally wet by the juice that was flowing from between her legs, too. Carla wanted in on that action, as turned on as she was by Chloe especially, whom she didn't know that well, actually, but was drawn to with her long midnight black hair and incredibly full breasts. She wanted to feel the weight of them in each hand. She took Cassius's hand and led him back inside, and they went to the massive walk-in closet off the master. And she kissed him deeply and said, I fucking missed you, you know. He said, I fucking missed you back. He pulled off his shirt and shoes and pants and stood naked facing Carla, who just had to slip out of her trench, and with shoes off, she was now naked too. But for a simple body chain harness necklace she'd ordered but never worn until now, it framed her beautiful breasts. Carla's nipples were as hard as her pussy was wet. And she told Cassius, Feel the puddle between my legs. He loved how lubricated she always seemed to be. Before they proceeded, she said, I feel like playing, but I don't want to be out of your sight. Cassius smiled and said, And I don't want to be out of your sight either. They agreed, sealed it with a kiss. It was still early and the bedrooms were quiet, but they could see the living room had more bodies already. And they took a spot side by side on the sectional, not far from where Maria and Chloe were playing. Maria was now face down, and her hands were wrapped around Chloe's ass, and her mouth met the space between her legs and her tongue worked her clint. Chloe noticed Carla's interest and broke into a wide grin and waited until Maria lifted her gaze and noticed Carla there. And just as the three ladies were getting comfortable, another couple climbed up and took a spot side by side, directly across from Cassius. And they, like he and Carla, were completely bare and had a similar loving energy for one another. The guy's cock was stiff and pointing north. He watched her hands grip upon it. Cassius was just as stiff. He loved watching women suck their men off. And it was as if she read his mind, because two seconds later, down she went dropping her mouth down on her man's shaft. She was playful, teasingly so, looking over at Cassius occasionally as she sucked. Maria's mouth was still busy on Chloe's mound, and Carla had cozied up next to the dark-haired beauty and watched Maria's tongue and fingers at work on her partner's cut. Carla would wait for a proper sign from Maria before making a move, Maria occasionally lifting her head to meet Chloe's eyes, and she did quietly communicate that it was cool for Carla to join in. And so Chloe and Carla's mouth engaged, and Carla got her wish, feeling the weight of Chloe's incredibly full breasts, fingered and lightly pinched her nipples too, and Chloe liked it, and she liked being the center of attention. Carla glanced over at Cassius with wide eyes. She glanced out at Cassius's hard cock and thought that thing won't be unattended for long, especially the way he was sitting there proud arms casually stretched left and right along the back of the top of the couch. She figured it was killing him not to stroke his cock, and just as she thought that, so did he apparently. He reached down and started stroking, and just then the couple across from him gave him a visual cue to come join them. Carla, seeing it all unfold, gave Cassius an encouraging wink. He made his way over to the couple. Her name was Katie, positioned between her man and Cassius, and she put a hand on each man's throbbing cock. Then she directed her stare at her man, who shot back a look that said, Show me. So much of what was happening was communicated incredibly well with body language more than words. After stroking both men a little longer, Katie repositioned her body to take Cassius into her mouth, keeping one hand on her man's cock, using the other at the base of the cock that was now in her mouth. It turned her man on to watch, too. She sucked Cassius like she was auditioning for a porno, which turned him on even more. The excitement of it all wasn't lost on Carla either. Then Maria took Chloe's mouth while Carla used her fingers between her legs. She couldn't resist tasting what was on them. It was delicious. Then Carla noticed Katie's enthusiasm for Cassius's cock, and she couldn't blame her. But she was hungry for some cock too, so she left Maria and Chloe to play and crawled over and took care of Katie's man, spitting on his cock, and worked her hand around the tip, and spit some more and rubbed the wetness all around its throbbing head, which seemed to nearly double in size now that her hands were upon it too, and she locked in on Cassie's eyes for a bit while she stroked and sucked the other man's cock. Both men were getting worked, and they were enjoying the growing show around them. The feeling of bulging veins and the knowledge that the power of her lips and tongue and jaw could make a man explode and drain his balls was empowering to Carla. The men were getting hungry, too, for the taste of what was between the ladies' legs. As they pondered their next moves, they could see the leather surface was becoming filled with more bodies. Carla and Katie were on fire and having fun. They started synchronizing their moves. And then they lifted their heads, letting their hands work the shafts as their mouths suddenly met, and they could taste one another's man on their lips. And their tongues dove in and out as they stroked the cocks. And then they switched and took the men they'd arrived with into their own hands and mouths, working with even more enthusiasm. Soon both women were decidedly anxious to fill the holes between their thighs, and they mounted each of their man's cocks, knees bent, feet planted on the leather, rising and dropping and synchronizing that motion, too. What a team. As she bounced up and down on him, Cassius reached behind Carla, using his fingers to feel the entry point, rubbing all around her hole. She loved when he did that, prodding her lips as he did. She gripped her tits and presented them to him, and he sucked her nipples intensely, more intensely than anyone ever had. She loved the way they were being watched by the people around them, the ones in the kitchen and the ones just arriving. Once Carla was on his cock, Cassius forgot anyone else was even there. It was just the two of them for all he cared now. He gripped her ass with one hand and her neck with the other and propelled her harder than she'd remember him ever doing down onto his cock. They could have and would have come then and there, but wanted to save it for a private moment. There was no question they were still in love, and they knew it of each other, and they slowed their pace right down and they stopped, and they hugged tightly letting the rest of the world around them wash away as they closed their eyes and gave their reunion thought. Then Cassius whispered in Carla's ear, Come, come with me. And she lifted off of them, and holding each other's hands, they made their way past the master bedroom, which was now occupied by a threesome. And they slipped into the bathroom where Carla sat down to pee, and she said, My cunt's on fire. And Cassius was still hard as a rock, and she put her lips on it. She sucked it a bit more. Cassius said, okay, let's go see if there's a free bed. The next bedroom was occupied, but the third was empty. So they took possession. Carla got on her back and spread herself as wide as possible, and Cassius was inside of her in two seconds and all the way in. His cock had never felt better or thicker than it did right now, she thought, and he told her he'd never been so turned on in all of his life. Ground his pelvis into her making circles barely pulling out, staying good and deep, knowing the pressure on her clit was just enough, and her G-spot felt the tension, too. Their lips met and their tongues danced and darted, and the grinding continued and the pace picked up ever so slightly, and then faster and faster still until he could hear in Carla's breathing that she was close and closer still. And it was when she started to mention God that he knew it was coming, and when it did, Cassius let himself go, too exploding inside of Carla's cunt while he screamed her name. And then they lay still, but not for long. He pulled his cock out of her and they gathered their clothes and dressed and said nothing to no one. And they left. Cassius took Carla home, put her into his bed, and they fucked some more until they were completely drained. And smiling, they fell asleep. Come on,
1: let's go to the blue hotel
0: That's the Blue Hotel Podcast, Episode 1. Next time in Episode 2, our special guest is sex educator Sabrina B. from After Sex Ed. The Blue Hotel Podcast publishes Fridays. Follow and subscribe via bluehotelpodcast.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and come back for more.